0: i like to make a point that, you know, these are, they're still college guys, you know, and we're going to believe in them. And it's frustrating for me sometimes, and I will get a little defensive when I hear some undue criticism of a guy that's out there working hard. I got news for you guys. He ain't got no six-figure NIL deal, all right? He's playing for Wyoming because he loves it. And so, strikes a nerve with me, and I'm happy for him. An emotional Craig Bowl. Emotion, that's not something Craig Bull shows very often, but he did just that when talking about Andrew Peasley during his postgame press conference last Saturday after the Cowboys outlasted Tulsa 40 37 in double overtime. This is Cody Tucker, and welcome to the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We're live here at 2410 Grand Avenue in Laramie. You can also visit their location in Cheyenne at the Frontier Mall. I want to thank our other sponsors, WyoLotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Warren's Repair and Towing, and Rocky Mountain Shirtworks. I am in the gym city today, Wyoming, Northern Colorado, going to kick off at 2 p.m. here inside War Memorial Stadium. Can the Cowboys make it too straight? I'm flying solo today. Jared Newland, my normal co-host, is uh, slumming it over in Ireland. Uh, Must be rough. Must be really rough. And I'm the Irish guy here, and I've never even been to Ireland. Too scared to fly over the ocean. I'm too scared to fly to Denver, let alone fly over the ocean. So uh, maybe someday, maybe someday. Supposed to go to Hawaii this year, of course, but uh, I don't know if that trip's going to happen. That's, uh, that's a lot of lot of travel for one one little football game. So no, not to downplay it. It's just uh, the logistics of the Hawaii trip are a complete nightmare. I know our photographer, DJ Johnson, already has his plans. He will be on the islands when the Cowboys head over there in late October. I am undecided. But let's talk about Andrew Peasley, Wyoming's junior quarterback, bouncing back in a big way. His debut, a forgettable one. He was 5 of 20 for 30 yards in that opening loss to Illinois. He turned that around in a big way on Saturday against the Golden Hurricane. He completed 20 of 30 passes for 256 yards and connected on a pair of long touchdowns, something we haven't seen around here in a minute. Will Pellissier catching the first one from 48 yards out late in the second quarter. Then he hits Joshua Cobbs down the seam. 51 yards later, he's standing in the end zone. That had to feel really, really, really good for the Utah State transfer who, as you heard Craig Bull getting emotional, the reason for that is because of the vitriol that his quarterback took this week on social media, maybe even through the media. Uh, Craig Bull getting a little defensive there of his quarterback, and it's a good sign, guys. In my opinion, it's a really good sign that Craig Bull's doing that because, you know, we've heard it before. We heard him stick up for Levi Williams in uh, 2000, or during the 2020 COVID campaign. Apparently, Levi was getting some guff from the fan base. And uh, Craig got upset. That's the emotion he showed that time. He got very upset about anybody who's threatening or, or making any kind of crazy comments online. But this time, uh, wiping some tears away, hitting the podium. Uh, you don't see that from Craig Bowl, uh ever, and uh, he did that with Andrew Peasley. He said that he challenged him this week, but uh, you know he he knows what he was going through, and and he challenged him, and and it wasn't just Peasley. As we've gone over, Peasley had a rough day, no doubt about it. He missed some throws, but the wide receivers just were not getting open, and uh, you know plenty of credit goes to Illinois' defense. That's Craig Bull's excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Illinois' defense is really good. Rewatch that game. Their secondary was locked down. That's why another special moment, something you don't see out of Craig Bull. After Joshua Cobbs caught that 51-yard touchdown pass, he came over to the sideline, and his head coach hugged him, told him, I love you. Um, what? <laughs> we don't see that out of the old ball coach. We don't see that. So uh, that's got to start meaning something. And Craig's actually putting his money where his mouth is because it's no secret that He's been open about it. He needs to have a better relationship with his players. Not saying that that's why every player entered the transfer portal this offseason, but I can say um, that that's why a number of them did. They told me themselves that the head coach just, they weren't seeing eye to eye, and the head coach was um, not necessarily being reasonable, and that's their words, not mine. So it's good to see Craig Bowles really making that effort, uh, talk to players during the spring that said Craig's starting to go to the training table and eat lunch with them and hang out with them and and uh, this is really showing that he's got his players back. So uh, I look at it as nothing but a positive that Craig did that and that Craig acted that way and, and it's nice to see some emotion out of him. You know, we get to see the the mad guy here and there and we get to see the funny guy and the joking guy, but it's nice to see that man to see him wipe some tears away. I mean, that's just that's not something you see every day. That is a fact. Once again, we're at Dickey's Barbecue Pit in Laramie, 2410 Grand Avenue. We do have a couple of pairs of tickets to hand out today. I believe we have four, maybe six of them, but swing by let us know you were listening to the show. Uh, had a really good response last week before the Tulsa game. A lot of people swung by Dickies. A lot of people came by and said hello. Uh, the beauty of this Dickey's location, they have beer. That's worth its weight in gold. So swing by, grab a beer, grab some brisket, some smoked wings, have a good time. You can see the stadium from here. You know, I, you didn't hear it from me, but maybe you can even park over here and, uh, you know, walk, walk to the stadium if you don't have a parking pass, if you know what I'm saying. So come by, maybe get some free tickets if they're still available, and, uh... Yeah, we love handing out free stuff, so come by. We got koozies, we got bottle openers, if you drink that kind of beer where you need a bottle opener for. We do have some 7220 Sports bottle openers, some stickers, stuff like that, but mainly just come by and say what's up. A little bit more on Peasley's day. Of course, on Monday, the Mountain West named him the Conference Offensive Player of the Week. (laughs) You just can't overstate what a bounce back that was. I mean, Illinois was really bad and, and, you know, sitting in the post game press conference in Champaign, I really, really love, I love his demeanor anyway, but I really loved Andrew's demeanor behind the, behind the podium. He's, you know, it's all about the team. You know, when, when the finger point in time came, he literally bent his wrist and pointed his right finger right in his chest. And he said, this is on me, man. And he takes, he takes it and his teammates love him. You, you don't, you don't become a team captain on accident. So, uh, you know, really happy for Andrew Peasley because I don't know how things worked at Utah State. I don't know how that went. Obviously, they have BYU and they have the Utes in state. Maybe maybe it's not as hardcore <laughs> as far as the fan base letting you know how they feel about a certain performance or how things are going. Um, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure how Utah State fans react. Uh, I wouldn't think they'd be overly insane because of, you know, if you know Utah, you know Utah. But, you know, you got a little dose, I guess, that Wyoming football is really important. And I'm not giving anybody an excuse to act like a moron and say stupid stuff to people online and and write checks your you-know-what-can't-cash But, uh, you lit a fire under Andrew Peasley. And not only did he hit those two passes, uh, the two big ones, I thought he was really efficient. He had some huge third down pickups, especially in the second half. Thought he made a lot of good decisions with the football. And once again, the wide receivers were challenged. Catch some of those 50-50 balls. You know, he doesn't need to put it right in your hands. He doesn't need to put it right in your numbers. And I thought they really responded. Uh, Wyatt Whelan, huge catch. Got blasted on the catch. Kind of hung out to dry a little bit. Stayed on his feet. Got a big first down. Josh Cobbs early in the game, had a ball thrown behind him, reached out, strong hands, pulled it in. Uh, really nice plays with those guys. It was also good to see the tight ends getting involved. Parker Christensen with a few catches in this one. Uh, so it was good to see. He was really rolling around the pocket. And, uh, you know, once again, that young offensive line, three interior guys mainly on that offensive line who are were only making their second ever college football start. Uh, once again, no grass stains for Andrew Peasley. He wasn't sacked, he wasn't he was hur he wasn't hurried, he was he was hit on one play all day long. And that might have been hanging in the pocket a little too long. That might have been on six, but that's two weeks in a row now. This offensive line has not allowed a sack, let alone a hurry, let alone a hit. So <laughs> you know, when you got that kind of production going on up front, you've got to make some plays. You have to, and Andrew did that. I really, really love, you know, we haven't seen a lot of this late <laughs> in the last few years. I really love Andrew Peasley's pocket presence. I love that he looks downfield. I love that he looks, you know, for the most part, he's making his reads. Uh, You know, that that throw to Will Pellissier down the right seam, he was staring down the middle of the field and just holding the safety. Holding him, holding him, holding him, then boom. Pellissier took care of the rest running right past his man. So really, really good day for Andrew Peasley that, you know, he can deny it all he wants. That has to be a huge, huge, Huge shot of momentum for him. I know there's a lot of momentum in the fan base now, all of a sudden, that are behind this kid. And it's easy. It's really easy to get behind this kid. He's got a great demeanor. He's got a great personality. He says, you know, it sounds like coach speak. I never get too high. I never get too low. I believe him. I really do. I believe him. So let's hear from Andrew Peasley. Here's some audio from the quarterback after that 40 37 dramatic. I don't even think that's a strong enough word dramatic, thrilling, unbelievable win over Tulsa last Saturday inside War Memorial Stadium. I transferred schools and there's a lot of expectations for myself and he knew that. You know, when you throw five for 20 and kind of get your butt whipped in the open season opener, um, it was tough for me. In my mind, I just told everyone like, you know, we gotta we gotta bounce back as a team. Like all this adversity, all through the week, we were just grinding, and I I feel like that showed today. You know, there's always still things we need to work on. We're gonna watch film, and we're gonna be like, you know, why did we do this? Why did we do that? And so there's still more to improve on. But overall, just the offense and the defense, like we all just took it to another level, and I think we learned from our mistakes, and now we're here. So well, there you have it. You heard the man. He he downplays just how tough. His week really was. Um, I mentioned to him in my question that I saw you're no longer on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sure that was a really easy decision. Coach Ball joked after he got back from behind the podium that maybe he needs to join this social media game and, and start getting involved with that. Said, Coach, really bad idea. <laughs> really bad idea. If you're not a social media guy, don't start now. I'm begging you, Coach. It's, uh, it's bad. It's a it's a cesspool out there, to say the least. So, um, anyway, really good outing for Andrew Peasley. Excited to see what he can do today against the Northern Colorado team. That I don't know they they gave up <laughs> they gave up 305 passing yards last week to Houston Baptist. But you know, once again, don't expect maybe the Cowboys to throw the ball 30 times. Although it was kind of nice to see. Uh, I wouldn't expect that again. But here's something else that should excite you: Houston Baptist ran the ball. 41 times in that 46-34 win over the Bears last week for 212 yards. That's 5.2 yards per clip. That has to be good news for Wyoming running backs who had a had a rough outing. Uh, Tulsa was pretty pretty stout against the run. The Cowboys rushed the ball 37 times, 143 yards, 3.9 per carry. Andrew Peasley leading the way, 10 carries for 45 of those yards. Uh, Titus Swin, who, of course, dealing with some bruised ribs. He was not himself, to say the least, 11 carries for 40 yards, 3.6 average. We knew that he had bruised ribs. Ribs. We knew he wasn't 100%. Uh, he also had a very uncharacteristic fumble. We will get into that. We'll talk about that crazy last-minute-plus against the Golden Hurricane. But, of course, Titus Swin fumbling down by the goal line when the Cowboys literally were trying to waste some clock to get John Hoyland out there to kick the game winner. Titus Swin fumbles it. Uh, We'll talk about what ensued after that. But Craig mentioned that, you know, here's another evolution of Craig Bull that I picked up during his press conference. You know, Titus fumbles the ball. Titus rushes for only 40 yards. He has bruised ribs, but when's the last time you knew Craig Bull to be the sentimental type who who really... uh, Who who would say, hey, he has bruised ribs? You know those hurt. And Craig said, you know, he had him himself as a player, and and he could barely sleep, let alone play in a football game. He told the media, I'm so appreciative of Titus. I'm so appreciative of his heart and his toughness today, and what he was able to come out and do. And we know he had a rough day, but we're just, I'm I'm really proud of his effort. And uh, I don't know, guys. I mean, maybe I'm spending too much time around Craig Ball, but this kind of stuff is just. Um, It's mind-boggling to me. It really is. He just doesn't say stuff like this. I mean, I don't don't think it's a a stretch to say that Titus was in Bull's doghouse when he decided to opt out of the COVID season. Uh, Craig kind of made no bones about it. He wasn't thrilled with any of those guys. And I'm going to have a story about Titus Wynn on 7220 Sports here. At some point, um, had a great, great conversation with him at Mountain West Media Day's in Las Vegas, a uh, lot to unwrap, that's the reason I haven't written that story yet, lots to unwrap, I know you've probably heard, you know, before, you know, he's from Africa, his family's from Africa, um, but he really dove into the COVID stuff with me, and, and why it was so important for him to, to leave, to stay home, to not come to Laramie, to not play football, football, believe me, was the last thing on his mind uh, while that was going on, so really excited to actually write that story, really excited for you guys to read it. But a little more on the Tulsa game. It wasn't all fantastic news for the Cowboys. Three Tulsa wide receivers eclipsed the 100-yard mark, including Keelon Stokes, who caught 11 balls for 169 yards on a touchdown. Uh, Also, Isaiah Epps, four catches for 79 yards. They almost had four guys go over 100, 100 receiving yards in this game. They finished with 460 overall. Davis Brin, really good quarterback. When you look at his numbers, 30 of 52, it didn't seem like he missed that many passes. 22 of them, it just really doesn't seem like he he missed 22 throws. Uh, He connected on three touchdowns. Maybe a couple should have been picked. I know from the press box, they sure looked telegraphed. They sure looked like there was a Wyoming defender there, but somehow those Tulsa guys just kept hauling them in. They just kept snagging them. Malachi Jones, really good day, six catches, 103 yards and a score, Juan Carlos Santana also added seven catches, for 102 yards and a touchdown. You're not really supposed to do this um, as a reporter. (laughs) But walking off the field, I spent the entire fourth quarter and the entire two overtimes on Wyoming's sideline off to the side. And after the game, I caught up with Jay Savell. You're technically supposed to go through the university and all that stuff and jump through hoops and all that to talk to anybody on the record. But, you know, when the defensive coordinator is walking right next to you, what do you do? You know, I had to ask Jay Savell why the cushion? Why are you guys giving these Tulsa receivers so much respect. Why? What happened? You know, Jay's a Jay's a straight shooter, and he said, "You know, yeah, we got a guy. We got two guys on the back end, and Deron Harrell and Jacory Hawkins. Both of them were in Power Five programs, Wisconsin and Ole Miss, respectively. But they haven't played a lot of football. Not to mention, of late, they haven't played a lot of football. Not to mention, it's game number two as a Wyoming Cowboy. I, I think we tend to forget about that kind of stuff. That hey, these guys are new in every way. These guys had never even." stepped foot in the state of wyoming until they got here in the in the winter so not only that it's it's a transition uh they're learning the defense um you know for a guy like deron harrell he had a major hip injury uh he still maybe doesn't trust that his speed's 100 percent back then you have cam stone who's a sophomore he got his feet wet a little bit last year in the corner at the corner spot but really cj colden and easy her they held it down all year they weren't injured all year so very rarely did we see Cam Stone on the Cowboys back end? And Jay Sauvel makes no bones about it. He plays three corners tops. Uh, I asked him who his fourth corner would have been, barring an injury, and uh, he kind of gave me that look and said, your guess is as good as mine. So uh, need those guys to be healthy, need those guys to play hard, and, and they did play hard. Uh, but I think the cushion is what even the most uneducated fan, quote-unquote, noticed. I mean, when you're lining up and giving the guys nine yards off the off the line, I mean, that's tough. And he said, you know, Cody, I would I would love to get them up there and I'd love to get them pressing. He even mentioned easy Hearn, he couldn't get him to not press, uh, but he wants them up on the line to press more. But he said that the talent of Tulsa's wide receiver level, coupled with the inexperience on the back end, including in the safety spot with Wyatt Eckler and, and Isaac White, who also don't have a lot of birthdays, He said they would have had to knee buckle these guys at the line and really jam them up. And that's easier said than done. So the other point he made is we need to make plays. Uh, They missed tackles. Cam Stone, a little bit of a rough day. Keontae Glinton had a rough day. And of course, he had to cover Keelan Stokes, which is no easy task uh, there in the slot. But Keontae had a tough day. Uh, Tulsa receivers are really good, guys. And I know that people hate excuses. They hate it. They don't want to hear how good Illinois' secondary is. They don't want to hear how good Tulsa's wide receiving core is. But that's reality. It's absolutely reality. These guys are really, really good. Keelan Stokes did it to the Cowboys. He went for 80 yards against the Cowboys, scored a touchdown in 2019 when they met inside Skelly Stadium. So they knew what they were going to get from Keelan Stokes, and they got it. (laughs) They got it, to say the least. On the flip side, if you're going to get torched through the air the way Davis Perrin did to the Cowboys on Saturday, you better be stopping the run. And the Cowboys did just that. 32 attempts for Tulsa for just 61 yards. That's 1.9 yards per carry. Steven Anderson, the big boy, who was listed at 269, 6'2", that's a stretch. He definitely is a big boy, but 269, I'm not buying it. But still a big guy. 10 carries, 40 yards, four-point. Obviously, doesn't take a mathematician to realize that's four yards per carry. He also scored a touchdown. Jordan Ford, uh, seven carries, 26 yards. Taj Gary, three carries, six yards. Bill Jackson, two carries, four yards. And, of course, David or Davis Brin was sacked four times. He had nine carries for minus 12 yards. Davis Brin, I, I don't think those numbers really indicate how deadly he was, though. The Cowboys once again struggled on third down throughout this one on offense. They also really struggled on third down on defense. And uh, Davis Brennan, who was not known for his feet, uh, absolutely made some plays. The Tulsa Golden Hurricane, 9 of 19 on third down. And some of those were those backbreakers that just kept drives alive. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, they're letting him run. They had everything covered up, and there he goes for a few. So uh, he had some really (laughs) devastating type third down conversions in this one. Cowboys offense just 5 of 15 a week after going 1 for 12 at Illinois. They have got to clean that up and hold on to the ball a little longer for this young defense to get a blow and to extend some drives. You can't score if you don't have the ball. Oh, wait. The Cowboys did score without the ball. Second play from scrimmage. Jordan Bernali swimming right past Tulsa center and smashing Davis Brin, stripping the ball cold god or cold cold goodbow should have picked it up scrambled into the end zone instead he booted it into the end zone where easton gibbs landed on it for a touchdown craig bowl challenged his guys to start fast and finish faster i think scoring on the second play of the game uh, was a really nice start uh, illinois if you will recall also scored on their second play from scrimmage in the zero week opener. Uh, Another really good story uh, from Saturday. Ryan Marquez, man, he's been with this program a long time. He's been a holder. He was a quarterback for a minute. Now he's listed as a wide receiver. He came off the edge on a punt there, blocked the punt uh, cleanly, man. He went all out. Dove, blocked that sucker, popped in the air. He was celebrating there for a second, but then realized that nobody had the ball. And uh, it was right by him. He picked it up, scrambled to the end zone, for a six-yard score there on special teams, uh, Craig Bowl, Captain Obvious, if you score on defense and you score on special teams, the likelihood you're going to win just went up a lot. So, Cowboys really, the run defense was really good. It had to be, Tulsa was throwing the ball all over the yard, but in a way they made them one-dimensional there. And then, you know, there were some big plays at the end. Uh Ja'Cory Hawkins knocked one down at the end. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was overtime or in the fourth quarter, but uh, he made some plays. Cam Stone, you know, he did a lot, of, a lot of trailing, a lot of chasing guys last Saturday, but he actually um, he caught up to a guy, made a tackle, and uh, Tulsa had to settle for a field goal early in the game. And then also, you all know about that crazy final minute plus. Uh, after Titus Swin fumbles, Tulsa gets the ball back. They hit Keelan Stokes on a little slant. Off he goes. He's going down the middle of the field. Camstone never gave up on the play. Hits him from the blind side around midfield. Forces the fumble. Recovered. Cowboys ball. Next thing you know, the Cowboys are back in business. And after John Hoyland booted a 55-yarder in this one a career-long, you knew they were almost in his range. And they were. They got the kickoff there in the final seconds. The just clank. <laughs> Just clank. He went four for five. He was also named the uh, Mountain West Special Teams Player of the Week. Um, but he clanked one off the very top of the field goal post. Something Craig Ball said he never does in practice. So, in other words, <laughs> this game had it all. This game had it all. Those final two minutes were nuts. Uh, in the overtime periods, uh, it's such a blur. I can't remember if it was the first or second one. Davis Morin had his running back out of the backfield. Could have hit him for a touchdown. Could have been lights out for the Cowboys. Instead, he overthrows him. The running back wasn't ready for the ball. Same thing for the Cowboys. Andrew Peasley hits uh, hits DQ James right in the hands in the, in, in the slot there. He drops the ball. He could have walked right into the end zone, game over. Uh, instead, it was a game of field goals there in the extra frames. And in the end... Zach Long, the kicker for Tulsa. Shanks won very far to the left, Cowboys win. Really good feeling for this young group. Of course, where we are as the media, we're sitting in the room waiting for the guys to come in for interviews. That was as joyous of a locker room I have heard since Wyoming knocked off Missouri in the opener in 2019. I asked every player and coach that came in there, how good does that feel to listen to those guys celebrate the way they are right now? We'll talk a little more about this Tulsa game. We'll get into Northern Colorado a bit, go down the Mountain West slate, Welcome back to the 7220sports.com kickoff show. We're live outside of Dickie's Barbecue Pit in Laramie 2410 Grand Avenue. You can also visit their other location at the Frontier Mall in Cheyenne. That is off Dell Range. Pardon me if you hear me eating. I can't say no to brisket. And if you've ever met me in person, you know that. I. Uh, it's funny, I hear these athletes all the time that I'm interviewing football players, basketball players, talking about putting on weight. I can help you. I can help you. I can be there for you. Actually, I'm so jealous every time I hear that. I just think... Jay Saw Bell told me a story about Nick Talich, of course, a uh, linebacker from Cody, Wyoming. He said that he came in as a safety and he told the coach, uh, you know, I spend every night in my dorm room crushing burgers so that I can get out of your room and be a linebacker and not a safety. God, I wish I had that problem. That would be a really, really, really nice problem and I don't have that. But it's been great to see some familiar faces stopping by here at Dickey's. We do have a couple of tickets left, I believe. Um, some have already been picked up, but people are here. They're having fun crushing some brisket, some smoked wings, drinking Drinking some beer. That's the absolute beauty of this location. Not to mention it's a hop, skip, and a jump from War Memorial Stadium. You can see the stadium from here where we're perched outside right on Grand. You can see we're in we're under a tent. It's got my big ugly face on it. We are not hard to find at all. Also want to thank our other sponsors, Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Warren's Repair and Towing, and Rocky Mountain Shirtworks. So obviously big win for the Cowboys. Uh, Tulsa Huge win. Jay Bell. I talked to him, like I said, a little bit after the game, and he said, don't get it twisted. This was a gigantic win for the Wyoming Cowboys. They needed that one. And to be honest, they need to take care of business inside War Memorial Stadium. Uh, They don't win that Tulsa game. You like to think today's game is winnable against an FCS team like Northern Colorado. Kickoff at 2 p.m. The game will be streamed, by the way, on the Mountain West Network. You like to think this is a a winnable game for the Cowboys. And, you know, let's be real. It should be. The Cowboys have won eight straight over the Bears. And they also hold the all-time record. I'm talking the all-time college football record in 1949. Wyoming went down to Greeley. Eddie Talboom scored a whole bunch of touchdowns, and the Cowboys rolled the Bears. I mean, rolled them 103 to zero. 15 touchdowns scored in that game for the Pokes. Uh, don't expect that today <laughs> against Ed McCaffrey's bunch. I don't see that happening in this one. But you like to think the Cowboys could win this one, but if they don't. You know, what Jay Sawvell was getting at here next week, Air Force, Friday night game in Laramie, then you hit the road and you go to Provo, Utah. You don't win that game over Tulsa, you might be talking about one win in the month of September. You might be talking about no wins in the month of September if you don't win that game. Obviously, that's just, you know, what you can think when you when you look at the schedule. Air Force is going to be absolutely a, a, a knockdown dragout like it always is. And BYU, of course, has been a house of pain. I have unfortunately been to six, seven regular season Wyoming BYU games inside Cougar Stadium, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Um, I've never had fun there. Not once. I've never had fun in the state of Utah, to be honest with you, but I definitely have never had fun in Provo, and I definitely have never had fun inside that stadium. So that's going to be a tough one, especially when you're a young team like the Cowboys, the third youngest in the FBS only ahead of conference rivals, Nevada and Hawaii, who are younger. And you know what the transfer portal did to both of those teams. Uh, so BYU will be no uh, no small task. And uh, to be honest, too, I, I was hoping I'd never, ever have to step foot in that stadium ever again in my lifetime. But I suppose we can do it one more time. Tom Berman, only one more time. This is it. No more. No more. Anyway, just to uh, put a bow on that game last week against Tulsa, John Hoyland uh, named the Mountain West Special Teams Player of the Week. What a game he had! Four for five. He is such a weapon for the Cowboys. Uh, four for five. He drills a fifty-five yarder, and you have to love his confidence. Craig Bull goes up to him on the sideline, says, "Hey man, you know we're kind of hovering around midfield, uh, you know," and before he could even get get it out. John Hoyland, the sophomore from Broomfield, Colorado, just says, Coach, I got you. Don't worry about it. That's uh, You love that kind of confidence, and you love to have that kind of weapon. And Wyoming should have a good kicker. They've had many good kickers. Corey Weedle, Derek Yossi, J.D. Wallum. The list goes on. Obviously, Cooper Roth. He's the all-time leading scorer in Wyoming football history. They should have a good kicker, and they really, really do here in John Hoyland. Uh, of course, four for five he did miss one and he missed the one right there at the end of regulation that clanked right off the top of the field goal post just a just a killer there you know the crowd was ready to explode uh sorry trying to look up here 44 yarder he had plenty of leg plenty of leg but it just clanked right off the very tip top of that field goal post Uh, The other thing I want to touch on from the Tulsa game that um, is becoming a trend and it's becoming a really cool to see, Um, you know, a a few weeks ago before the season, going up to the season, we did the feature um, series there on Wyoming football's biggest villains, the all-time villains in Wyoming football history. And one of those entries was Wyoming natives who go play for rival schools i.e. Ben Stratton, Clint Oldenburg, the Vomhoff brothers all going to Colorado State, Dane Stratton going to Colorado State, you know, Brett Kiesel, Brady Papinga, guys like that going to BYU, and then you got Chris Cooley going to Utah State, guys like that, you know, that, uh, a lot of local talent, a lot of local talent got out of this state, and, um, you can't have that. If there's D1 prospects inside the Cowboy State, they need to be wearing a Cowboy uniform. And Craig Bowl is really doing everything in his power to make sure that happens. And the really cool thing about this Tulsa game, as young as this team was, a lot of Wyoming natives really had a big say in how this one went. You know, as a fellow Wyoming native myself, born and raised in Cheyenne, uh, I definitely am proud to see these youngsters step up. And you know, there's that stigma that Wyoming high school football is so small and the talent's not there. That's just not true. Um, There are some very, very talented players in this state, and they're starting to show it. A, a guy that, you know, it didn't show up necessarily on the stat sheet much, but uh, Caleb Driscoll, one tackle. That tackle was a booming tackle on a special teams play on a kick return late in the game. He just runs right down the field, and I, you gotta love his old school neck roll. Uh, imagine that, a big, tough Gillette guy with a neck roll. Uh, it's just perfect. He goes down and lays a guy out. This one definitely didn't make the stat sheet. Earlier in the game, on a kick return, Caleb Driscoll just went and flat pancaked a guy. Guy. Just absolutely emasculated a guy right in the middle of the field. It was a thing of beauty, I must admit. You know, then you pointed a guy like Jordan Bernoulli, and I, and I know I've told this story before, but, you know, Jordan got his first chance against Nevada in Reno during the 2020 opener, and, you know, what a weird scene it was. Not a, not a butt in the seats inside McKay Stadium. Uh, of course, COVID-19... <laughs> You know, just going wild around the country and uh, nobody in the stands. Reno was a ghost town. You had to have wristbands and temperature tests and all kinds of stuff just to get in casinos, let alone in the football stadium. And uh, I remember when the Cowboys ran on the field for the first time on defense, I said, who in the world is number 96? And I looked, scrambled for my sheet, found my roster. Jordan Jordan knoll Who in the world is this guy? Oh, he's a walk-on from Casper. Hmm. Who is this guy? Well, now we know. It's Jordan Burton Ollie, Natrona County Mustang. He had a great game against Tulsa. He had a really good game against Illinois as well. Him and Cole Goodbow in the middle there have been absolutely rock solid. But Jordan got the party started, as we mentioned in the first segment. He had the sack on Davis Brynn on the second play of the game, stripped him. Next thing you know, 28 yards back down the field. Easton Gibbs laying on the ball in the end zone, getting the Cowboys on the board early. He really jump-started this one, and Jordan Bernalli is just a joy to be around. He is always has a smile on his face, just a really good dude. So, really happy for him. And then, of course, you got 22 Bighorn, the call that led to uh, Will Pellisier standing in the end zone all by himself after hauling in a 48-yard touchdown pass late in the second quarter. Um, Will Pellisier, of course, from Bighorn, Wyoming, up in the uh, Bighorn up in the uh, Bighorn Mountains there. Sheridan area up in northern Wyoming Um, really cool to see he caught his first ball against Illinois that went for five yards Mm, nothing special but imagine what that would feel like to make your first collegiate catch and get that out of the way and have that done and over with where you can kind of take a deep breath and go okay I'm meant to be I'm meant to be here and uh, boy was he he actually took a handoff early in this game went for 18 yards around the edge on a jet sweep showed off his speed a little bit and then he really showed off his speed. Catching that forty-eight yard touchdown pass, he finished with three receptions for sixty-seven yards. So, I mean, guys, these are these are all Wyoming dudes making an impact for the Wyoming Cowboys. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? Really good stuff from these guys. So, when we get into Northern Colorado a little bit, uh, talk to JJ Raderink this week. Of course, Uh, he's the quarterback coach at in Greeley. Uh, He played for the Wyoming Cowboys from two thousand one to two thousand four. You might remember he had a pretty important play in the 2004 Las Vegas Bowl when Wyoming knocked off UCLA 24-21 inside Sam Boyd Stadium. He came in for a uh, hobbled Corey Bramlett, took the snap, pitched the ball to his left to running back C.R. Davis. C.R. pitched it over to Javon Bonite, who was going the other way. Javon throws it off balance, way underthrown. But Mr. Uh, Ratterink, burning for him, burning down the seam, stops, waits for it. Cradles it, two hands, hits the turf. Cowboys back in that down by four with 13 minutes left to go in Las Vegas. Of course, uh, Corey Bramlin ends up hitting John Wodkowski, the tight end, on a 12-yard strike, an absolute missile in the back of the end zone. Cowboys upset the Bruins, who were a 14-point favorite in that one. Uh, A great memory for Wyoming fans. That was the first bowl victory in 38 years. Uh, You can talk about that all day, but Radarink does have a job to do now, and he will be on the opposing sideline Today... Uh, you know, I asked him, are you at liberty to tell me who your starting quarterback is? Because the Bears played both Jacob Simon and Dylan McCaffrey last week against Houston Baptist in that 46-34 loss. And, uh, he said, you know, I, of course I talked to him Monday. He said, I don't know. Uh, I would tell you if I knew, I don't know. And our plan was not to play two quarterbacks But that's kind of what happened here. So Dylan McCaffrey, of course, the son of Ed McCaffrey, the head coach there at UNC. He started his career at the University of Michigan, spent two years in Ann Arbor. Now he is in Greeley with the Bears. Not sure what his status will be for this game. But he completed 15 of 24 balls for 176 yards. He also threw a couple of touchdowns. Jacob Simon coming in in mop-up duty. He completed 22 of 33 balls for 249 yards and two touchdowns, he also threw an interception. Craig Bull talked about it this week that, you know, both of these guys are former four-star recruits out of high school. And uh, you think you know why Dylan McCaffrey ended up in Greeley, but you wonder how another four-star quarterback like Jacob Simon ended up at UNC. Uh, But it it appears here, in looking at the stats from that game against Houston Baptist, uh, you know, as far as the running game goes, they were averaging about 3.8 yards per clip, 31 carries, 118 yards. Elijah Dotson leads the way, 10 carries, 59 yards. I'd imagine they were playing a lot of catch-up in this game, so uh, probably abandoned the run game a little bit. They went down pretty big. They ended up scoring four, uh, 20 points there in the fourth quarter to try and make a comeback here, but they were down big through three. So uh, the running game, I don't think we're really getting a an accurate look at how good their running game can be. Dylan McCaffrey was the second leading rusher, 7 carries for 29 yards. And then Jacquez Robertson, four carries for 25 yards. Uh, receivers had a nice day, and there was a lot of them. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 different UNC guys caught passes last week. Tevis Graham just caught three of those, but he led the way with 83 yards and a pair of touchdowns. That included a long of 55 yards. You know Wyoming secondary is looking at that, and you know UNC staff is looking at Wyoming secondary after giving up 460 last week against Tulsa. Alec Pell caught eight passes. He was the favorite receiver, just 68 yards and a touchdown. Noah Ford, seven catches, 57 yards. Kyle Helbig, two catches for 52 yards. And Elijah Dotson, the running back, of course, four catches for 43 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, they they obviously had to go into throw it mode when they went down so big in this game, but... Uh, You know, I know they like to be balanced, and talking to Radarink last night, he really likes this young team, he likes how balanced they they typically can be, but when you dig a hole the way they did, uh, you just got to abandon everything, and not to mention losing your starting quarterback, that doesn't help either. So, Wyoming, Northern Colorado, this series has gone back to 1895, I want to say. Uh, You know, obviously they're in two different leagues. It's uh, not a game we see every day. They they took a break. They played in 2013, but before that, they hadn't played in years. Uh, pulled it up here. <laughs> Boys win that 103 to nothing win. Uh, those are still the most points scored by an FBS team in a single game in NCAA history. Wyoming scored 15 touchdowns and kicked 13 extra points in that game. Boom, boom, tal, boom. Who would go on to earn All American honors the next season in 1950. And earned induction into the National Football Foundation's College Football Hall of Fame in 2000. Uh, these teams have met 26 previous times leading up to this year's game. Uh, like I said, the first one, 1895, Wyoming won that one, 34 to nothing. Wyoming leads the overall series 18-5-3, and and uh, yeah, Wyoming has won 11 times, lost twice, and tied three in Laramie, but. Uh, Big one for the Cowboys. It's a must. You know, you never want to overlook these teams. That's not, uh, you don't want to get in the business of that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and the Cowboys have not not fared all that well against uh, FCS teams. Uh, the one that comes to memory immediately for me is uh, that meeting with um, Idaho in 2019. That uh, That was a bigger crowd than showed up for the Missouri game in the opener. People were excited. Wyoming knocked off Mizzou in the opener and then went on the road and beat Texas State and had a lot of good young players, and they thought, oh, man, they're going to take off here. And, boy, Idaho Idaho gave the Cowboys all they could handle that year. Trying to pull it up here. Of course, my Internet's not uh, cooperating very well with me. Yeah, Idaho, that was a 21-16 game. Trey Smith really had to pull that one out of the fire. He had a 75-yard touchdown in that one. Um but overall you know the Cowboys have just not had a good time uh, <laughs> you can't help but think about Wafford uh, who was the number eight team in the country FCS uh, in 2018. Uh, Cowboys took a rocket Ishmael touchdown in the closing seconds for for Wyoming to knock them off 17 to 14 uh, so you can't look past these teams you just can't do it and I don't think the Cowboys will and that's the beauty of having a young team in my opinion as well as you just you can't look past anybody. You know, Cowboys are so young across the board. You just can't look past anybody. But you you, know, you also only have three seniors. So I think it's probably a balance of, hey, we can't look past anybody, and, and hey, we don't know any better. So let's go down the Mountain West slate last week. Uh, <laughs> Mountain West took a couple on the chin, and uh, it was expected. Uh, Colorado State, of course. New head coach Jay Norvell and the mighty, mighty Colorado State Wolfpack. Or Rams went into Ann Arbor in the big house and got housed. Michigan scores 51. CSU gets in the end zone late, 51-7. to seven. Big win for the Wolverines. It was expected. I believe they were a 32-point favorite in that game. Should have been worse, I suppose. Speaking of... Uh, Lopsided scores. Number one, Alabama takes down the defending Mountain West champions. Utah State 55 to nothing in Tuscaloosa. Who didn't expect that, right? I think the, I think the Crimson Tide had a 42-point. They were 42-point favorites heading into that one. Uh, so they upped that 55-0. Utah State got nothing done offensively. Levi Williams did get into that game. Uh, Running down a little more of the scoreboard here. San Jose State outlasts Portland State 21-17. Fresno State knocks off Cal Poly. In Fresno, 35-7. Fresno State, of course, the uh, favorite to win the Mountain West this year. Good start for their offense. And Jay Kaner, who is predicted to be the Mountain West Conference Offensive Player of the Year when this is all said and done. Uh, Air Force puts up more than 600 yards of total offense. Takes out Northern Iowa inside Falcon Stadium. 48-17, the final in that one. Nevada, 2-0. Uh, speaking of young teams, not that they've played a murderer's row by any stretch to start this thing, but uh, Nevada takes out Texas State 38-14 in McKay Stadium. New Mexico, the Lobos, 41 to nothing over visiting Maine there in Albuquerque. Um, Western Kentucky goes to the islands, knocks off Hawaii. Hawaii, officially the youngest team in America, knocks them off 49-17. Rome Weber did play in that game, the former Cowboys safety. If there were two surprises, I guess, from the official week one start of the college football season. Boise State goes into Oregon State, loses 34-17, to also lost a couple of players to season-ending injuries. That's a game where in years past, Boise State has zero issues waltzing into Corvallis and coming away with a win over a team like the Beavers. Not this time around. Oregon State handles the Broncos. They're in Corvallis. Um, the other one, San Diego State opening their brand-spanking-new, beautiful stadium on campus. And Arizona, the lowly Wildcats, they walk in and whip the Aztecs 38-20. Arizona even, their punter kicked a ball off his own guy, and San Diego State scored off it, and San Diego State still gets beat by 18 at home to open their brand-new stadium. So let's switch over here to this week's slate. Boise State and New Mexico going to kick off Mountain West Conference play on Friday night, that game at 7 p.m. You can watch that one on CBS Sports Network. The Broncos and Lobos kicking off league play. I know some some folks south of here on the front range are interested in this one. Colorado at Air Force. Colorado's really bad, folks. Air Force, really good. You know what they're going to do. Uh, the Buffs don't often play their in-state rivals anywhere outside of Boulder or Mile High Stadium. They are actually traveling to Falcon Stadium uh, I don't think it's going to be a fun trip for the fellas from Boulder. I think Air Force takes care of that one for sure. Uh, UNLV, they were off last week. They will head to Cal to take on the Golden Bears. Middle Tennessee State heading to Colorado State. Todd Centeo, uh CSU's former quarterback, who's now at James Mason. He threw for six touchdowns last week against Middle Tennessee. You have to like Colorado State bouncing back in that one inside Canvas Stadium in Fort Collins. Uh, Incarnate Word heading to Nevada. Nevada really should be looking at a 3-0 start here to the 2022 campaign, uh, which good for them. Uh, I think a lot of people expect them to be dead on arrival. Uh, things are going to get much tougher. Uh, Incarnate Word and Texas State will not be on the schedule every week, unfortunately for the Wolfpack, but should get off to a 3-0 and start there in Reno. Utah State licking its wounds a little bit after that 55 beat beatdown in Tuscaloosa. They will host in-state nemesis, rival, foe, Weber State heading over to uh, Logan for that one in Maverick Stadium for uh, the Utah State Aggies' third game of the year. They are 1-1 one and one after knocking off UConn in the opener and getting blasted by the Crimson Tide last week. San Jose State will hit the road and head to Auburn. That game will be on ESPNU. It will also be at five, uh, 530 kickoff is what they will do, 530 mountain kickoff. Uh, Then Hawaii heading to the Big House a week after Colorado State went in and got waxed there in Ann Arbor. The Rainbow Warriors will be making the trip to Ann Arbor to take on the number 4 Wolverines. That game is on the Big Ten Network and will kick off at 6 p.m. Idaho State will head to San Diego State, second game inside their new stadium down there in Southern California. That game will be on the Mountain West Network at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Oregon State, this is an interesting one. Oregon State at Fresno State. Obviously, we saw what Oregon State did last week to Boise State. Can they do it at Fresno State against Jay Kaner and the fellas? That will be a fun one to watch. Uh, Should be a really good game. And then, of course, here at 2 p.m., Wyoming, Northern Colorado, Game 2 inside War Memorial Stadium. Can the Cowboys win their second straight game in a row? Yes, they can. Wyoming's going to win this one. I can feel it. Andrew Peasley's got to be on cloud nine. The wide receiver core has to be feeling good. Josh Cobbs, Wyatt Whelan, Will Pellisier, all making plays in that one. Also, really interested to see the bounce back from Titus Wynn this week. I think after last week an uncharacteristic game, obviously he wasn't feeling too hot. The ribs hurting a little bit. I'm thinking he had a pretty easy week of practice and uh, looking forward to Titus Swin going absolutely nuts against a northern Colorado team that gave up 212 rushing yards to Houston Baptist last week. Would really like to see a balanced attack from the Cowboys today. Uh, Northern Colorado also giving up 305 yards to the air on just 15 attempts. That's an average of 20.3. Also gave up four touchdowns to the air. I really, really like the Cowboys' chances in this one. Once again, want to thank our sponsors here for the 7220sports.com kickoff show, Dickie's Barbecue Pit here in Laramie at 2410 Grand Avenue. You can also visit their other location at the Frontier Mall. On Del Range in Cheyenne. Also, shout out to Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Warren's Repair and Towing, and Rocky Mountain Shirtwork. We gave away all the tickets. It's a beautiful day in Laramie. It's a cool day in Laramie. Have fun. Wyoming Cowboys going for win number two. Stay tuned right here to this station for the official pregame show and Wyoming Cowboy football.